You've heard the saying, right? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's what this show is all about, building awareness to end domestic violence. And yes, we do believe it's possible to have a violence-free future. And we think that after listening and learning, you will too. Each episode will be breaking down different aspects of the work. We'll talk to survivors, advocates, community members, and others to explore the things that are happening right now and the work that still needs to be done. From the Women in Distress Education and Prevention Team, I'm Emily Janice, and today on the podcast, an ounce of courage is worth a pound of resilience. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. I personally didn't know evil like that existed. I had never experienced anything like that. It's definitely been a challenge and a struggle, but every day we are grateful. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we're kicking it off with the perspective at the core of understanding domestic violence, the survivors. What is the survivor's experience really like living through a domestic violence relationship? While we can never fully know what it's like from the outside, it's important to listen and to try to understand so that we can support survivors and advocate for safety and nonviolence. Women in Distress's Family Services Manager, Maxwell Couture, talked to a survivor who, along with her daughter, has recently received services with us at Women in Distress. Please note that we have changed names for confidentiality and safety. Let's listen into their conversation. So first, I would just like to say thank you so much for taking the time and meeting with us and, and uh, sharing your story and being here and having the courage to share your experiences with everyone else out there who might be living in a similar situation so they can hear from your perspective everything that you went through. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Tell us a little bit about your story, your experiences, your background, and um, how you got involved with women in distress. I was in a court proceeding and I was court ordered by a forensic psychologist to go to women in distress with my young child in case we had to be relocated for our safety. And can you tell us a little bit about uh, the domestic violence that you had experienced with your child? Um, Pretty horrific. Interestingly enough, this person came recommended by several uh, friends of mine who were hospital workers who are educated career-oriented. He had done some work in their home uh, as a handyman. They said, oh, he's the nicest guy. He'll do anything for you. Mm-hmm. So he had his mask on. Uh, so that that would have never led me to not trust being the fact that he was recommended by my best friend. Then one thing led to another, years go by, I end up in a domestic violent relationship with a child, and I personally didn't know evil like that existed. I had never experienced anything like that before, thought that I was smart enough, I would never find myself in that situation, and I could get away if I wanted to. You said something interesting. He had his mask on. And I know we live in the world of COVID-19. You're not talking about a face covering, right? You're correct. 
not a face covering, just hiding his true personality. And we know that this is not too uncommon for individuals uh, who are identified or alleged abusers or perpetrators in domestic violence is that they have this ability to show you one side and then show their true self later on. And that was the experience that you had? Most definitely. There were definite signs that I should have paid attention to um, that were looking back at different stories. Now they were key. And if I would have paid attention to them, I would have seen that he had violent tendencies. I just thought he wouldn't be aggressive towards me. And so when you got involved with women in distress, uh, what were some of the services that you found to be the most helpful uh, for you? And did you also enroll your young child in any services as well? Yes, the groups were tremendously helpful. The one that was for the, the children where they do the art. Our play therapy group. Yeah. Even though we know some folks uh, walk through our doors and they do get the services, we know the challenges don't just end simply because they come to women in distress. So you could you tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you still face even today, um, even though you have had services with women in distress? Oh, yes. Even though it has been, uh, I was in court for two years, so I had to see him in court, even though he wasn't allowed near me. I had to see him once a month in the courtroom, uh, which was difficult because he was his own lawyer. And he was actually the one that uh, grilled me on the stand. I got questioned by my abuser in the courtroom. So once the, the very final day came that I didn't have to no longer physically see him, um, each day is a struggle. I would have flashbacks of the kind of car that he drove. I would think it was him. I would think I was being followed. Um, I still have severe PTSD symptoms. It can take just the color of a shirt, pair of shoes, and I go into panic mode. I think it's him until I realize that it's not him. The symptoms have gotten better, but still severe. Um, yeah, so it's still just struggling, waiting for the day where I, I don't think about him, where he doesn't pop into my head. And have you experienced any, any challenges with the family, with your young child, or have some of those issues been, been resolved? Always improving every day. Um, thanks to women in distress. Can't say enough about women in distress. They basically saved our lives with their services. Um, my daughter receives counseling through women in distress. We both have severe PTSD. <laughs> and um, we have symptoms of dissociative identity disorder. Um, so it's definitely been a challenge and a struggle, but every day we are grateful and every day we are, we are hopeful that we're going to have an even better day tomorrow. What you really are describing too is, you know, uh, a situation where you had gone through a really horrific experience. Um, and, and although there are still lingering effects of that trauma, uh, you have your 
head held high and you are hopeful about the future. And a lot of this is really, uh, really benefiting your ability to keep putting one foot in front of the other and persevering. So when you hear the word resilience, what does that mean to you? What does that bring up for you when you hear that word? Well, I gave it a lot of thought. And one day in particular comes to mind when we were still with our abuser. And I went to the beach one day and I just couldn't stop crying. And I sat on the bench and I must have cried for two hours, just feeling very hopeless. And I said, baby steps. I said, you're going to get up and you're going to put one foot in front of the other. It doesn't matter if it takes 10 minutes to take the next step. That's what I'm going to do. And I cried the entire time. Whatever distance I made could have been a half a mile for all I remember. Um, I felt like I was having a nervous breakdown that day. But that's what resilience means to me is that that day I chose to take those steps. And I knew that somehow I was going to get out of that situation. Even though you you felt that you were at your edge of existence, of your breaking point, you still found the courage and, and the strength and the resilience to, to continue putting one foot in front of the other. That is very inspiring to hear. Um, and what would you say to the community out there? What, what do you wish the community knew about domestic violence based on your experiences? Uh, based on my experiences and what I'm watching in the news right now is how easily the law enforcement tends to flip the story. How they um, are easily manipulated with gaslighting by the abuser on how the victim is really the abuser and they are the victim. I have experienced that multiple times, especially in the courtroom by the judge. So what are some things that you're excited about right now in your life? Well, excited that we are away from him, that we have our restraining order and that we are rebuilding our life. Um, she is advancing in, in her school years as well as I am trying to advance in my school years working on my um, bachelor's degree. That's amazing. I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, sitting with us today and, and sharing your stories and your experience. I know I had to take a lot of courage to, to go through and relive your story. Um, in closing, is there any other comments that you'd like to make for anybody out there listening to us today? Um, just keep looking for the future. And like I said, Women in Distress has saved our lives and giving us given us hope for the future well thank you so much today it was an absolute pleasure talking to you and i hope things continue to get better for you and your family on this journey that you're having they will thank you so much thank you for listening this podcast was brought to you by the passionate education and prevention team at Women in Distress, a nonprofit certified domestic violence center in beautiful Broward County, Florida. 
Special thanks today to our courageous survivor for sharing her story and to Maxwell Couture for providing this interview. Stay in touch for more episodes and perspectives. Until next time, stay well, stay safe, and remember, violence is preventable. For everyone out there, please know that there is help if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence. To talk to someone and get help, contact your local domestic violence hotline. If you're in Broward County, you can contact Women in Distress. Our crisis hotline is 954-761-1133. You can also contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline wherever you are at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's one 800 799 7233.